You're listening to Thriving Church Leadership, a church board development podcast. A dialogue to encourage church leaders to rise to the noble task of church leadership. Through a series of conversations with godly, experienced, and insightful individuals, we've dived deep into this very unique space of leadership, specifically formal church leadership, such as pastors, elders, deacons, trustees, and board leadership as a whole within the church. It has been said that the local church is God's plan A to point people to the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And the reality is there is no plan B. It stands to reason that leadership for God's plan A, his church, called to reach a lost and hurting world, is not insignificant. Paul's letter to Timothy seems to support this idea. 1 Timothy 3 says this, that the saying is trustworthy, if anyone aspires to the office of of overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, before we go there today, I have the privilege of welcoming Brian Walker to this podcast. I'll pretend that Brian is a guest on this podcast, but in reality, he will soon become the host of this podcast. Brian is the president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, and I asked Brian if I could have the privilege of hosting the first few podcasts. Not only does Brian hold a significant role as president of the GGF, He is among the most gifted leaders I have had the privilege of working alongside in a variety of contexts. In business, parachurch ministries, church ministry, I would describe Brian as a capable leader when called upon, a capable and faithful lieutenant when others take the lead, and also a serial entrepreneur. And I'm not talking about the kind of guy that invents tasty cereal. He clearly has had many experiences owning and starting his own businesses. And he's also had experience as he's been asked to step in to chart a different course for numerous entities. I'll tell you all of this uh, because Brian won't tell you all of that himself. The humility in his leadership is what stands out the most to me. So with all of that, Brian, I want to welcome you to your podcast, I guess. (laughs) There you go. What an intro. Yeah, well, it's hard hard to follow that up. It is. I, I think we just finished it. Good job. Yeah. So... I think before we start diving into the subject matter of church board leadership, I think it's uh, it's probably really relevant for people to understand who Brian Walker is and what makes him tick. So I gave you probably the best intro ever, mm-hmm. but let me just have you describe a little bit about who you are and and uh, why you're passionate about these subjects. Thank you, Brett um, and Oscar. So. It's it's a it's a really a humbling introduction, and um, it, it as as you were talking, it made me really think of the 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 process that I have been privileged to be part of to to be in this spot. Um, as I go backward in my own history, I, I think of the different opportunities and experiences that I've been given in leadership, all the way back to early jobs back in the early part of my career, working at a a large local organization with hundred thousand plus employees, um, and this, how that started my leadership experience. In particular, just the formality of that organization, the the structure that started my exper- experience out of really out of my collegiate gate, um, going down that path, starting in that organization, and then from there 
working toward the idea of what does it look like to be an entrepreneur and, and what while I loved the large organization experience and the formality of that engineering experience, the ability to start my own business or be part of a private business and understand what a, a business owner might feel like. Now, it wasn't an easy move. and In fact, it was a really challenging decision to go into something that was so much less structured. But I knew that if I wanted to grow in my ability to lead, I had to have different formats, different experiences. And while I wasn't necessarily setting the course for where I would go, I had the opportunity to see the gifts that I needed to expand on or my own skills so I could maybe have more ability to make an impact. Um, and the, the interesting thing about that season of my life is I really don't believe at that time that I had much of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so my pursuit was a personal pursuit. I wanted, I had set large financial goals for myself and and um, and I realized to get there would have to take a certain course of action. And then in that private business ownership time frame, I attended an event and was really challenged in my faith, and that would have been my, in my late 20s. And from there, made a decision to pursue Jesus Christ with my entire life. And interestingly, God used what I had grown into at that point and didn't scrap at all. Um, I, I remember even thinking um, and maybe even telling my mentor at the time that I would be worried about getting stuck on a mission field in a thatched hut, and um, <laughs> which is, a, I, I suppose, a, a, a really immature view of what it means to follow Jesus. But I felt like that was would be the case. And, You're not the only one that fears that, <laughs> that destiny. I mean, my you now a thatched hut doesn't sound so bad, but uh, yeah. <laughs> understood. So you've started your own businesses, um, you've served on boards, you've watched all manner of leadership, every level of dysfunction and function, I imagine, Mm -hmm. and yet church board leadership, which is what this podcast is about, seems to be a passion of yours. Mm -hmm. I've known you for quite some time, and I've seen you function with all levels of leadership, both nonprofit, parachurch, um, as, as well as even boards of for-profit corporations. But what makes church leadership unique? Hmm. Well, that's an evolution. I wish I could say I've always been passionate about it. When I had, um, somewhere in the early part of the 2000s, I had the opportunity to serve. Once I really understood that my gifts were focused on nonprofit leadership, I wasn't squarely understanding what that meant. And so um, I was pursuing a, a doctorate degree at Columbia International University, and, and it was a, a combined master's and doctorate degree. And, and I think, actually, my family was traveling with your family at the time. And we had gone and looked at Columbia International University. And at that same time, I was helping you with a ministry, and, and, I, and I was just dabbling. I wasn't entirely sure what this new passion looked like. But I knew that it was nonprofit, and so I was looking at a at advanced degrees, and I and I was called by Grace Christian University, Grace Bible College at the time, to consider coming on their executive team and serving with um, President Kemper, and um, and I said no at the time because I was going to be pursuing a degree program that would help me become a better nonprofit, and and in that experience, I remember sitting with Amy, my wife, 
and her saying, you know, you could either spend a whole lot of money and get experience and get your doctorate degree, or you could just call tomorrow morning and and become a nonprofit leader. And I, and, and while that seemed elementary, it was really a a process that we talked and prayed over. And over the next couple of days and weeks, we accepted that opportunity. We stepped away from that degree program and began really serving in nonprofit. And, and so from there was my first experience as a nonprofit full-time ministry leader. But prior to that, I had served on a church board. I, I attend Grace um, Rush Creek Bible Church, which before that was Breen Bible Church. And so I had the opportunity in that season to be serving on the board. So I was starting to get exposure to the idea of ministry leadership, the idea of nonprofit board leadership. I had been serving at that point on the board at Grace Christian University for some time. So um, I'd been given some experience and opportunity to be involved and to start looking, and I suppose to wet my taste but a little bit on on what it meant to be in, in leadership in, in nonprofit ministries. You know, I've often noted that there is no business in this world that mimics how churches run hmm. from a governance structure standpoint. Um, oh, there's no CEO. Uh, that is true. There is yeah. no CEO. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Good call. What are some of the differences uh, that kind of play themselves out in terms of how a church needs to run, is best run, versus your typical business or even parachurch ministry? So, you know, um, at the risk of being very binary and basic, there's really two different kind of leadership structures that often take place in nonprofit organizations, and we'll just talk, I guess we'll go down the path of even church ministry. And you would call it weak leader, strong board, and strong leader, weak board. And that's not to denote anything negative. It just describes the centrality of how decisions are made. And and very seldom is it both weak and weak or strong and strong. It's, there's generally a placement of leadership decision process in a, in a church. And um, the problem with that is that, like Oscar says, there is no CEO. And so church constitutions are often built in a way that empower a pastor, but empower them with limited power. And so the pastor becomes dependent on the board. That's very unusual. Um, in the, in the, in a for-profit and in a nonprofit world, there always or often is a CEO. And, and so the, the clarity of who needs to make decisions or how decisions are made is, is very often designed in the in the in the organizational structure mm-hmm. in a church however it's not so clear and and so this weak leader strong board strong leader weak board tension exists and that's within that milieu is how church decision making is made and so it's complicated it's a very complicated structure that requires a little get a little bit of give and a little bit of take and, and some humility and some leadership um, so it it's like nothing else I've ever served on. And in, in, the more I speak with church leaders, the more I talk with experts in church ministry, it is a very, very unique circle of leadership that we serve in when we serve on a board of sure. a church. So you're here to tell us which is the right way. Yeah. Strong leader or weak leader? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, Good answer. This will be a short podcast then. <laughs> Turn it off. I'm, I'm eager to hear the answer. <laughs> I'm going to save it for the end. So like around 
I think it was three weeks ago, I had a conversation with you. And then on the last three minutes, you mentioned something that really struck me. And still, I'm trying to figure out the answer of this. Uh, but you mentioned something like when you choose a board or when they are trying to choose a board on a, on a church environment, uh, usually people go and then just they just try to figure out where are all the, the business owners and then they just put them on a board all together and then that's good to go. You know, you are going to have the perfect church. And then you mentioned, you mentioned this and then you said, that is not really the best way to do it. And I serve on a board, and I thought I was being chose because of that. Mm. So when you mentioned that to me, and then you said, but I need to really explain to you, what what does it take to be really a board member? Mm. And then I just kept thinking about that and kept thinking about that, and I'm like, I'm really curious about what it really takes then to become a board member. And not just only that, what it, why maybe it's, it's not just – a business owner mentality, it is more just a servant mentality that you need to come with your gifts, maybe to open it there at the church. But I don't know. I, I would love to to hear from you about that. So the the, the idea of, the, I suppose many of us, I, I believe, in, at least in my circles of influence, serve on nonprofit ministry boards, whether it's a camp board or a university or a Christian school or a food kitchen. or um, It's easy and it's often that those ministries, those nonprofit ministries, seek board members. And in those applications that I have found, generally in a nonprofit or a nonprofit ministry world, they look for certain gift sets and talent sets. And they go out and they recruit. If they need an attorney, they find a, an attorney. And if they need somebody, and if it's a healthcare system and they need someone with healthcare experience, they'll, they'll seek those gift sets out. And, and you, you, as a leader of a board, maybe as a leader of an organization, in my experiences, you fill out that board with that kind of robust talent set. And often in that group is a family or a person who has affluence and, and affluence and influence. And they have the ability to fund specific things and you draw them close to you to the organization so they can be part of that. And that they know that that's a very clear conversation and, and they, they are part of that, that group. That's a very common and I would say a best practice nonprofit experience. In a church role, I contend, and I'm not the only one who thinks this, that it's very common that you are brought on board for that reason because of your leadership capacity. But then we you we we go into that ourselves and we say, hey, I'm a I'm a finance person. And so I'm serving on this board of my church to serve in their finance or the part of their organization. Or I'm an HR person or I'm a facilities management person or asset management or whatever that might look like. And I bring that into the boardroom of my church. And I would contend that that is maybe the right path, but not is certainly not the right path. And, and how I talk with boards as I have a chance to meet with them is I say, you know, would, would you, might you consider that what you do outside this church boardroom has absolutely nothing with what you do inside this church boardroom. The idea of why has God called you or appointed you um, to the opportunity to serve on a church board may have nothing to do with what you do in your career or your profession or your education. Um, it, that the answer is a hard answer. It's, it's a 
hard answer and a heart answer answer. Um, you know, it's, it's one that one has to wrestle with and, and we can talk about motives of serving on boards and, and that definitely plays into that conversation too. Why does somebody serve on a board? But this right. is why it is amazing that we're going to have this podcast and we're going to have different episodes because this is probably going to be one of those episodes that we will have in the future mm-hmm. for all the board members too. Mm-hmm. You know, I started this podcast by referencing First Timothy 3. Mm-hmm. It's the classic passage on the characteristics of church leadership. Uh, that same passage in First Timothy as well as uh, the passage in Titus that focuses on the qualities and the characteristics that should be present in those who give leadership in a local church. Um, and that list of character qualities is very long, but noticeably absent are the skill sets needed to perform well in the role of church leadership, elders, deacons. Uh, what do you think that says to us? Hmm. Here we are talking about church leadership and the importance of it in this podcast and yet Scripture itself says very little to the effect of what efficient, effective leadership looks like within the church. That's, that's an interesting tension. And as we started our conversation with this podcast, you introed with the, with the thought that the church is God's plan A for salvation of mankind. And I, we have a lot more understanding of what a church should look like in regard, maybe not the ancient church, but how does, what is the role and the purpose of the church? And we, and that's a great conversation to have, but I believe when it comes to the board functionality, it's, 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 it's written. Uh, how, how do I know the heart of, of the writer, but it's written vaguely knowing that it was going to be a, an evolving church an evolving church ministry to have the ability and the opportunity to serve in that role. And so what I mean by that is the I think over the course of time the role of the elder as described in in the New Testament is really meant to say hey, we this is the quality of character we're going to need to do this thing. We we're not going to tell you what it's going to look like in 2022 or 1022 or 22. We're going to we're going to have the character of the person be very important. And and so the process of, I suppose, our role as a board member is to be able to understand our church, what God's doing in our church, our leadership in our church, our pastor team, or our, our ministry leadership team, and how do we as a board support what God is doing in our church. And it's going to require character, and it's going to require the ability to teach or preach the things that Titus and Timothy talk about in, their, in, in the Word. Um, so we, our ability to I would say, serve as a board member of a church in particular. Let's maybe talk about how most churches are, are dividing their board. They divide them in elders and in deacons. <clears throat> and sometimes there's that third team there that may, might call trustee. Um, and what is it? What is the role of the elder in regard to the functionality of the church? And and then what is the responsibility of the deacon? Because we know there's deacon work. We know there's responsibility of stewardship um, and the responsibility of caring and shepherding. And and so we know those things. And how do we as a ministry do that in the most effective and the most biblical way? I think there is some biblical structure that we can follow in regard to that question, Brett. 
that's helpful. So we, we're talking a lot about the local church, in my experience, is very large church-oriented. Um, and so I suspect that my experience is somewhat unique compared to most churches out there. And I just want you to speak a little bit in terms of um, what have you noticed in terms of church size and how church leadership, board leadership within those churches have to function differently, or do they? So in 2018, and I know there's probably been one since then, but in 2018 was a a survey of churches in the United States, and I think the number came out to, we'll say, 370,000 churches in the United States. And with that, the IRS does some qualifying of that, what the church sizes, average sizes are, and and, and they categorize church size by annual revenue for those churches that actually report their revenue, which is a considerable amount. And um, and the over a, 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 a large number, I would say 95% of the churches of that 370,000 um, were less than a million dollars annual revenue, which is somewhere around 250 people, 200 people is the basic structure of, of a church that's under a million. And so while your experience is maybe a large church, 95% of the U.S. population attends a church with less than probably 200 people in it. And if you want to get really categorical, it's probably even less than 100 is the larger number. So most churches that we work with in the Grace Gospel Fellowship are in the 50 to 200 person um, range. So most of the churches we we do ministry with, we are doing we're supporting and caring for, are what you'd call a smaller church. So I asked you a question, but I'm going to interrupt you. Okay, go ahead, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the Grace Gospel Fellowship. You find yourself in leadership role since, what, last September mm-hmm. as president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. And as you step into the role, uh, maybe first and foremost, what is the the mission and vision, the passion that you have for that consortium of churches? So the the history of the Grace Gospel Fellowship is that it is the the domestic the U.S. domestic church organization. It's a it's a it's a, an affiliated membership. It's not a denomination. There are about a hundred to one hundred fifty churches in that affiliation. What we'd call the network. And for the history of its inception, probably network going into sixty years, maybe seventy years, is um, it has really supported the local church across the country. For a while, and if you look at the history of the Grace Gospel Fellowship, it has kind of had seasons of of focus. One of at some point it was really focused on church planting in large metro areas, and so you look at that. That was uh, some time ago, and and that was a really brilliant vision, and it planted churches around the country: L.A., um, Seattle, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Grand Rapids, Chicago, and so a lot of churches were planted in these large metro areas which then subsequently over the course of time planted smaller churches in smaller areas. And and so now if you look at the inversion of that, now seven years later, most of our churches are in small city areas, not large urban areas. And so that's that's not necessarily anything other than just the focus of the ministry and, and how it has evolved over time. One of the constants that we've had is that the Grace Gospel Fellowship ordains the pastors who, who preach and lead those Grace Gospel Fellowship churches. And so we have ministry leaders who have, over the course of time, led our ordination and licensing process. 
That is one of the services we provide. The other service we provide to our churches and over the course of time has been um, what what we call pulpit supply or helping pastors as they're away from their their pulpit to be able to fill in with maybe a, a temporary pastor. And then also we do um, we work with our church boards and over the course of time we work with our church boards on um, church uh, search committee pastoral search committees. So that's kind of the history of our organization. We collaborate with Grace Christian University in Grand Rapids. We collaborate with Grace Ministries International, which is the um, international missions arm of the Grace Gospel Fellowship or the Grace Ministries. And then we also collaborate with Grace Ministries International, which is also a international mission organization. So we are part of a, I would say, a consortium of affiliated ministries. So when I was able to, um, when I was called to be the president last year, I've been part of the Grace Gospel Fellowship ministry almost my entire life in one form or another, either at the college or in my home church um, on mission field. And we've done a lot of work together over the course of time. And when I got the opportunity to begin leading this organization, we really started drawing back and say, what what today may be different than before? Well, what today does our leadership need to be focusing on in our churches? And we, I would say, sharpened that um, expectation into three easy to remember, I would say, motives or um, initiatives. Almost like a pastor. Almost like oh, got three, it. Three points. Three points. Okay. If I go four, yeah, it would, it would bullet points. Next. Yeah. So, points. Brian, what yeah. are those three oh, points? Good question. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it it's pretty simple in in elementary and in, in its understanding. It's healthy board, healthy pastors, healthy boards, healthy churches, and. And that's so. Those three healthy board. I mean, I'm sorry. I said again. Healthy pastors, healthy boards, healthy churches. And I say it in that sequence because it is sequential. We we really believe that as we invest into our pastors and help them become healthy or healthier than they are, we help them lead ministry and do their work they're doing. And that's really we can talk about that. And then when we work with our church boards around the country, we're building a really strong team. We're building in each individual church. The ability to ministry to do to lead ministry and to be out into the community, get their church into their community, and then from there we believe that as we build a healthy pastor, as we invest into our boards, from that will spawn healthy churches. And so there is some calculus there in that equation, but there's also a prioritization. We really focus on our pastors, and then. One of the things I've been recently talking with one of our pastors about was <clears throat> the work we're doing with our boards. You know, we are working deeply on our healthy board initiative right now, and in a way, have taken some of the energy out of our healthy pastor because we can't do everything all at once. And one of our local pastors said, "You know what? When we're investing in their boards, we're doing we're investing in a, in our pastors." And so we're we're working really hard on that three point um, initiative. So. Let's talk about that for just a quick second. Uh, I know that you're passionate passionate about organizational development. I know that because you're pursuing your doctorate, even though earlier in this podcast you said, eh, maybe I shouldn't pursue my doctorate. I just need to actually get out there and get my hands dirty. Mm-hmm. So first of all, what are, you, what are you thinking getting your doctorate when you have a whole bunch of experience behind you? And second of all, uh, Tell us about the nature of that doctorate you're pursuing and why. 
So uh, I'll answer the the why, and then I'll go to the what. So right. I I really believe that leaders need to have a passion for continuous improvement, and and there is there are multiple ways to do that. Good conferences, great books, good mentors. Um, one of the things that always has intrigued me is education. I, I I really love higher education and investing myself into that. It's a challenge. It doesn't happen to most people. They most people don't particularly like. Um, higher education in their adult years. It just seems to be something that I like because it's a challenge. When I was leading healthcare systems, after a while, I realized I had a limitation in my ability. to I could only attend so many conferences and read so many books. I needed to have hands-on work. So I pursued a master's degree in um, public administration with a concentration in nonprofit and in healthcare systems because I knew that would help me be better at my task. And And I wanted to get a broader degree so I could expand the ability to have experience outside of the healthcare systems. As I've been now in um, church ministry and, and now I'm growing here, I, I, there's, a, there's only a limited number of things I could do and also the ability to find people who have the experience I have is, is, is maybe a little bit challenging. So I've, I pursued a uh, PhD in Christian leadership through Liberty and um, I'm going – I'm nearing the end. I'm just right now finishing my research, and I'll have to. I get a chance to defend my dissertation probably in August of this year. Um, so I'll be nearing the end of that. And and the goal is really to just be able to be better at at, the, at serving our pastors and our boards, having that ability to to expand that. I, I'm I've got a couple books in mind that I think could be written to really help our our pastors and our boards, specifically our boards. Do you have like a riveting title to your dissertation? Oh yeah, it's it's it. Even as I say it, it will make you probably fall asleep. Wow. And can I order it like right now? If, <laughs> just a pre-order. I, I gotta think, I gotta think of a more provocative title than my than my title I'm using. Um, I I don't. It's it's what I'm working on is I'm seeking. I, I think I'm. It's easier for me to say what it is than actually a title. Um, I'm seeking to understand how church leadership adapts to crisis in small church ministry and wondering what part spiritual maturity plays in that equation. Not trying to understand spiritual maturity as much as trying to understand how church leadership, pastors and boards, manage crisis and help their churches thrive through crisis. That's that's interesting. It's interesting in that when you describe the healthy pastors, healthy boards, and healthy churches— Healthy Boards, is it fair to say, is sort of a new focus for the Grace Gospel Fellowship in its 60 or 70 years of existence. Is that true? Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's when I think of my paradigm of church board work, most of my church board work has been at Rush Creek Bible Church and Berean Bible Church and in Wyoming. And so my paradigm of church board work is, when I came into this role, was that Churches would be largely managed by pretty healthy boards, um, board members who have been part of the process for a long time, and and that was just as I as I took this role. But as I've had the chance to visit churches all around the country, um, I'm learning how many churches are really board members are really seeking to be better. And then as I talk with my own church board, they're seeking to be better. So there was there's a there's a it's easy to look at a church board, either at my church or other churches, and say, hey, they're doing the work. They're doing great work. And then when you actually talk with board members and they say, we really don't know what we're doing. Um, you know, I've, I've come on the board two years ago, 
I'm being mentored by a guy who's been on the board for 40 years and, um, and I'm learning all of his bad habits and I'm not getting any new ones. And so there's a, there's a, I think there's a developmental cycle that is missed with church board work. It's easy to think just because a person is a, a solid business owner, or an outstanding finance person, that they're going to just come in and do great board work in our, in our church. And I would say that the condition of the American church, I'm not going to indict our ministries because it's just that I think it's across all boards. Um, the condition of the American church is largely a condition of church boards that need to be better at their work. And we can see that in how a lot of churches responded even to the crisis of COVID-19 and, and, and the process that went through church leadership and, and how that really shook the, the, the timbers of, of the, the American church. Um, so that's, that's really what I'm working toward. I, I know that's a big number. So we're only a half an hour into this podcast, and I know we t- wanted to keep it right around the half hour mark, um, and we've barely scratched the surface. Um, but I said earlier that uh, Oscar and myself are hosting this podcast and maybe a couple others into the future because we think it's important to understand the why. Why this podcast? Why now? Specifically, why for the Grace Gospel Fellowship? And I'm hearing sort of a, not a renewed focus, but maybe a new focus on what it means to gather the the laity, the local leadership who's volunteering their time. Perhaps they know what they're doing. Perhaps they don't know what they're doing. But all of them called to be stewards of the church, which is a noble Mm -hmm. calling, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... Uh, you know, I would I would just maybe close this podcast by saying uh, Luke twelve forty eight says, "To whom much is given, much is required." And I think in this context, what this means is those who aspire to church leadership, and very frankly, many of the people serving on boards haven't aspired; they've been chosen, voluntold, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do need more tools in their toolbox to become effective and better stewards of what they've been entrusted with, and that's the local church. I will even add here that as a younger person that hasn't served that much on boards, the reality of how do you serve on a board, what do you need to do, what do you need to do, most of these things are, are learned by tradition. Hey, this is what we have been doing all the time. But there is not really like a like a good resource for best practices. So to what you were saying and to the verse that you were saying too, uh, it makes total sense that this podcast specifically will address a lot of those uh, things. Not only not not only for that younger generation, but also for the older generation to become better better stewards of the church. That that's basically the board's mission. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just need to steward the shoot that that the church and. I wonder about that because it is so interesting that we don't go to education to be a better board member, mm-hmm. um, but still this podcast will kind of address that. So mm-hmm. maybe some closing comments on that. That would be amazing. Well, you know, it, as you guys talk about that, I, I would say that gap in understanding, and, it, and, it, and it's much larger than just GGF churches. Um as I've been doing my dissertation, one of the things that one does when they get near the end of their PhD is you do a, a deep study and you look at what has been written or said at the expert level, not just on in articles or in 
you know, on, on, on podcasts, but at the expert research level, what has been said on certain topics. And so as I began to seek out and really focus in on small church board ministry, again, small churches make up a significant number of churches in the United States, uh, written on small church board ministry and leadership, very, very little is written at the expert level on what it means to be a board member of a small church. Um, it's it's very different. It's hard to scale a big church and a small church when it comes to leadership. When you don't have a deep bench of people who can serve, you have people in small churches. It's very common that board members board members will serve for twenty or thirty years in perpetuity until somebody comes around and relieves them. And and so how does a how does a board member of a church, an elder of a church, become better when they've got um, they don't have anybody to, to look to, and the business side of the church is extraordinarily complicated. And, and it's in that space that my goal is to come alongside our boards and really help them, invest in them, give them something, some ways to look at what, what maybe the business world would call best practice, but the ministry world is what does God desire for us to become in our ministry side and that's where we're working hard to go toward. And there's a great resource we're starting to build for our church boards that I really look forward to sharing with you guys. That's well great insight, Brian. Appreciate that. I noticed during this podcast you successfully and deftly avoided the uh, title of your dissertation. Mm. So we'll maybe try to pull that out of you in future podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It's, it'll, it'll bore you to tears. Uh, the, the title itself will bore you to tears. Everyone who ever writes a PhD, I think, that I've talked with dissertation for their PhD – Starts off with all the all the grand idea of what it might look like as they're studying their studies, and that was three years ago for me. And what my my dissertation supervisor said something like, "You know, you're not curing world hunger, Brian. Get you you need to finish this thing." <laughs> and so, I think mine would have been thousands of pages. And so it's been had to, it's had to been refined, but I, God allowed me to continue to refine it towards something I'm really passionate about. But um, um yeah, there, the word quantitative research study is in that title somewhere, which is boards me even saying it so uh, but i look forward to being able to share it with you awesome uh great to be with you appreciate your Thank insights you. appreciate your passion and uh on behalf of myself and oscar quesada we'll look forward to the next podcast thank you